Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Uh, talking about the biggest stories in District 4 week in, week out. My name is Brandon Bainey. We're joined today by DJ Scotty B, a.k.a. Scott Burton. What's going on, Scott? What's going on here, Brandon? DJ Scotty B, just because uh, today in my office I've just been... One of those days where you just feel like you need to blast music all day, you know, just to kind of get the mood right. And then it just lasts. And then pretty soon you're having dance parties. And well, granted, they're by myself, but, you know, still dance parties nonetheless. Yeah, I'm not sure anybody uh, is ready for uh, an invite to the Scott Burton dance party besides <laughs> yourself. But yeah, we're getting fun back, though, uh, back in the day. And I don't I don't even know what kind of time frame when people say the day is you know i mean are we talking four score i mean what is it but uh i used to be a dj i used to have my own business and played parties and did all that stuff so it was uh the, the moniker at the bottom dj scotty b Hey, it's a lucrative business being a, like a wedding DJ. Now it, the market's oversaturated a little bit. Like every Joe Schmo all of a sudden thinks they, you know, and there's definitely a skill set involved and it takes hard work. And, um, but man, if you, if you can find a place in that market, you can make a pretty nice living doing that. Oh, so. it, was, it was a ton of fun. And the stories I could tell are just phenomenal. I could write a little short book on it. Uh, they're well, not, a, not appropriate for the podcast, right? Not, not at all. That's a pay-per-view podcast for another time. Yeah, that's uh, well, we'll uh, maybe charge five bucks for people to come in and, and listen to that. Um, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk. Uh, usually I've got a good segue. I got nothing. Today. I'm waiting, dude. I gave you like <laughs> party time, music and everything. You can all right. OK. All right. So uh, if nobody's ready for an invite to the Scott Burton dance party, everybody was ready for an invite to Jerome's golf course on Monday for the Jerome Invitational. This was uh this was a, a, a big deal because you know this is fall golf for the first time. 5A and 4A uh schools are competing in the fall for golf. And so Jerome gets to host the Jerome invite at a different time of year. Um what's the golf course like out there in Jerome Scott? Oh, the Jerome Country Club is phenomenal. I mean it's it's where I belong and I'm a member out there and, and that's where I play my golf and it's uh it's it's run so well the head pro out there troy vitek used to be at gooding and um his staff and everybody out there are just so accommodating they take great care of the course they're they support our high school and youth programs so they're you know there there comes a time in every country club's i guess existence to where their clientele starts to age and if you don't start replacing that with some youth golf programs and supporting your local schools, then pretty soon you're not going to have a vibrant membership of golfers out there, you know, and Jerome does a really nice job of having a lot of young people out there uh, playing golf at the course. And that starts with what they do with our school too, because um, they give us free reign coach Rodriguez um, and coach Gentry do a great job running that tournament. And it's one of the best tournaments in, in the magic Valley or well in the state rather. It really is because it brings, uh, you know, there was a lot of teams from East Idaho, you know, Idaho Falls area that came over to compete. Obviously, the Magic Valley is there. And as we're going to find out, even Bishop Kelly, you know, Bishop Kelly doesn't just show up at, you know, subpar events. If BK's there, you know, it's a good, it's a good high prestige event. And Bishop Kelly came as well. 
Oh yeah, we had to have their trailer ready with green skittles and sparkling water in order for them to come. It was in the contract. Um, <laughs> kidding, EK people don't don't uh, don't get mad. Uh, joke, but they are so good that at everything that you're right. When they show up, doesn't matter what sport it is, they are going to be in the running to win the whole thing. And that again is what happened at the drum invite. Yeah. So yeah, I guess the point I was making was Bishop Kelly is so good at everything that they, they aren't going to waste their time with uh, a meet or an invite that isn't going to push them and make them better and provide good competition. So for yeah, Bishop well, that's true. And especially in the golf world too, my brother um, was the golf coach at Bishop Kelly for, I think eight years um, retired, well, not retired, just changed and moved back down and take over the family business down here when my dad retired. But prior to that, he was a Bishop Kelly teaching and coaching golf and football up there. So, yeah, I'm very familiar with the Bishop Kelly culture and their traditions and, and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, and we're excited to get them down here because, you know, they want to get pushed, but so do our schools down here. They want to see what the best has to offer year in and year out. You know, two of the best schools in 4A are at this tournament. And one of them is right here in the Magic Valley, which I'm sure you'll get to here in a minute. BK, the other one. Yeah, so no surprises that BK wins uh, both the boys and girls team titles. The the Bishop Kelly boys uh, shot 299. Twin Falls took second. Uh, same story on the girls' side. Bishop Kelly wins the team title 329. Twin Falls takes second, 10 strokes back. So uh, we've kind of talked about it here and there, but you know, Twin Falls is really good at golf. They are, and they, they have been. They just have... A, a rotating door, a revolving door of just golfers on both sides that just, they're ne the cupboard's never bare. They just have people that love to play golf in Twin. And it shows. They're constant competitors and contenders for a state title year in and year out, both boys and girls. Definitely. And uh, the, the big story with Twin Falls Golf, especially, has been junior Ava Schroeder. She has been on fire to start the year. She's She won the Jerome Invitational by shooting a 73. Uh, she won, uh, she's won a couple of other big meets against, uh, you know, East Idaho. She, like, she's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with, like, East Idaho's best golfers and is, has done well and won competitions. And uh, obviously here battling Bishop Kelly, Ava Schroeder still able to come through and, and win. And so she, she was a great golfer last year as well. Of course, that was in the spring. And, and the reason I wanted to talk about this subject, and unfortunately we're not able to bring as much light to it as we would like to, is that Ava Schroeder as a sophomore last year was a phenomenal golfer in the spring. But in the fall, she was a pretty important part of that Twin Falls soccer team that ended up winning the 4a state title and so that's been a big question this year at school districts around the state is are you going to allow your golfers to compete in another sport or are you going to make them choose and for example i can speak to where i live pocatello high uh, they have an athlete named julian bowie You've seen him play basketball, Scott. He's a stud. Well, he he was a wide receiver on the football team last year, and he was a pretty darn good one. Um, but he golfs as well, and Pocatello made him choose. They said, you can't do both. It's one or the other. And he said, all right, see ya. I'm going to go golf, <laughs> which I don't disagree with necessarily. Um, I don't either. You know, and, yeah. I think school, you know, I've kind of asked around a little bit, and schools are different in the way that they approach that. Um, some philosophy is you are committed to one sport during that particular season, and that's it, and that's the mindset. Others are like, you know what? 
as long as you keep your grades up, you're a good citizen, you're productive to your school, and your coaches can work together. And I think that sometimes is the hard part. Because when you get an elite athlete that's good at multiple sports, you get the Bo Jackson of high school, so to speak, right? That everybody wants a piece of it, you know, and they're not willing to share a lot of the times. And I think a lot of the trouble is sometimes the coaches not working together to share an athlete because it is difficult to do it. You know, and I'm not an advocate of making kids choose. I mean, I, I've dealt with it in my coaching career. Um, you know, I played four sports in high school, so I had to bounce. So I know what it's like, but it's, it really does come down to the coaches being able to work together um, to do what's best for this athlete, the student athlete too, and not let the student part fall to the wayside. So everybody's different. Yeah, we see it a lot in in football where like a soccer player will moonlight as the kicker on a soccer or on a football uh-huh. team. We see we see that pretty often, but um this is kind of a new thing with golf and so I wanted to explore the topic and see now uh you reached out to the Twin Falls golf coach, didn't hear anything back. Uh I've tried to get a copy of the girls soccer roster from Twin Falls. Um that sent emails, haven't gotten anything back. So I don't know if Ava Schroeder is playing both sports or not. Um, it's been pretty quiet in terms of like individuals playing for twin falls this year. And so, uh, unfortunately we're not able to bring as much to the table in this conversation, but this is, you know, we'll give you a little behind the scenes here on how we do this podcast every week. We kind of brainstorm on Sunday night or Monday morning, and we kind of pick out a couple of topics we want to discuss. And then I kind of unleash you, right. And then you go out and you try to reach out to coaches, ADs, whatever it is, uh, to talk to these people and, and get their stories. Well, that only works if we're hearing back from people. And um, you struck out a lot this week, Scott. Yeah, I think uh, we, for some reason, this week we struck out. I mean, uh, I know I know people are, are busy, and sometimes I'll get the email after we shoot it, and it's like, oh, I, I have this on my desk, and I just totally forgot to send it. And it's always with the best of intentions, and I don't think anybody is ever intentionally uh, ignoring it. But it is a short time frame. Um, and, you know, and if they're gone, then forget about it. So we do have to hit a perfect window. And, and I will say that the people over the course of the you know, year and a half that we've been doing this or whatever, oh my gosh, they have been absolutely amazing getting back to us, sharing their stories. Um, some of the stuff we've gotten have been fantastic, but every once in a while we'll run into a little buzzsaw where it's like, oh, crap, we didn't get anything this week. So let's just tell dad jokes. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, all the people we're trying to get a hold of are extremely busy and I don't think anybody intentionally ever is like, yeah, I'm not talking to these guys. Um, so, but I want, I want the, I want our, our viewers and our listeners. Right. <laughs> uh, we, we want, I, I want the fans to understand that, Hey, we're it's, it's not that we don't care about your school or your team. You know, I get a lot of, how come you never talk about this school? Well, because it's really hard to get information from that school. You know, your coach isn't sending recaps to the local newspaper or the TV station or whatever it is. And this happens all over the state. There's certain schools. It's like Fort Knox. There's just, it's really hard to get any information out of there. And that's the reason why, I mean, we can only talk about, you know, what we have access to. And so, uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of that lately from the fans is like, you know, how come you never talk about this school and or this team? And, you know, that's probably a big reason why is lack of access, lack of information. 
Well, and the other thing that would help that too is if you know they would come at you and say, "Hey, how come you haven't talked about this particular story?" And it's like, "Well, man, didn't know that story even existed. Let's go investigate." Because a, a lot of what we learn about um, is just scratching the surface, and so we, yeah, we are always looking for those deeper dive stories and a lot of the communities know them but we don't and so gosh share them with us and then we'll go investigate and make it happen so um but yeah that's your nail on the head definitely because you know i've heard this so often you know somebody in rath river isn't necessarily aware of what's going on at jerome or you know sun valley community school doesn't necessarily know what's happening at filer or you know whatever it is so we we want to bring everybody together to to share these stories and so um that's what our goal is every week and most weeks we're pretty uh, successful at it i've got i've gotten a lot and that'll transition into what we're going to talk about now we'll turn the page to football i've gotten a lot of people asking me how come you guys never talk about buell football and i'll admit you know they just they haven't been on my radar for whatever reason they were picked to win the conference in the preseason coaches poll they've gotten off to a three and one start and so here we are we're going to break down the buell indians what's been working and uh a lot has been working really well they went and played caldwell on friday night and got a win even though caldwell is a team that's kind of you know a program that's rebuilding they're still a 4a school so that was a nice impressive win well, all you can do is just beat who's on your schedule you know and that's what buell's doing but the thing about buell that is so cool to me is that this whole thing is a freaking disney movie i mean it is a fairy tale in in a sense because you know their head coach alan reynolds um who i consider a good friend of mine is their head coach he's a buell guy and anybody that's familiar with you know alan reynolds he was a longtime coach at twin falls um he was also their athletic trainer um he retired came back and coached again at Twin Falls because they couldn't get the right hire. And so he came back and, and started coaching again, but he is a Buell guy. I mean, that's where he grew up. And, and um, so now he had an opportunity to come home and there's always something magical about coaches that come home. And this one has been just fairy tale-ish from the start because you know, we, we had a conversation over the course of the week and, and we were talking about culture because any winning team, school, whatever, has got a culture attached to it. You seldom have consistently winning teams without some kind of culture. Well, you also have teams that get into the toilet because they have no culture. You know, so Alan and I started talking about it. And the first thing that he wanted to mention was, you know, back to his elementary days. And and so we took, so we went back to 1920-something. No, just kidding. It was the 1960s. Alan's going to watch this, so I'll get a couple of jokes in <laughs> at, at his expense. Um, but, yeah, this was in the, uh, the 60s, I believe. And they had a coach named Rod Honhorse that came in. And he was the guy. Uh, Alan described him as a giant of a man, you know, uh, that brought the, the mantra tribe pride to Buell, Idaho. And this was back in the 60s. And so it was growing up, everybody did a coach on horse way. You know, they just bought into it. And next thing you know, the, the, the town's excited and everything's rolling. And then Coach Hon Horse moves on to uh, Boise State. And um, 
and but tribe pride stuck around. I've been part of the community for the past 60 years or so, but it just you know started to kind of fizzle when you just don't have the strength and programs, whatever. So one of the first things that, that Coach Reynolds wanted to do was bring that mantra back and, and he's done it. Um, he had to get this, in his terms, get this little community believing they could win again. And if anybody could do it, they did. So what Alan did is he just started from the, the visual part of things got the football field looking immaculate, hired the same guy that, that we like to hire, Nathan Bishop, to come and redo the field. And so you step out onto the Buell playing surface and it looks amazing, you know? So that was the first thing and he knows that. And so we got the, the, the facility looking good. And um, so now they start to develop a culture. You're gonna see Buell t-shirts that say OTV on them. And that means on to victory. And so they're, they're pushing that all over the place. and so. And it's also the title of their fight song. And so what Alan's making these guys do is after a football game, go sing the fight song to, you know, the student body. And, and although that sounds like something that all high schools do, not many do it, you know, and a lot of them can't even tell you what their fight song is, but that is something that kind of instills pride. So they're doing that again, and, you know, and, and you go to a volleyball game or a basketball game or whatever, You'll hear every once in a while the crowd of the student body yell or start chanting OTV, OTV. Again, part of their culture, part of their mantra, those little sayings, those little things that just bring groups of people together. And, you know, also, you know, Alan's smart enough to know and been around a long time that the words you use have power. And so it's not about seeing a volleyball player in the hallway the next day and go, how did you guys do last night? It's how did we do? And those little things start to create a culture. And, and when you get a guy like Alan, who is just tribe pride, I mean, from growing up there, now he's coming home and he's so good at what he does. Those little things are starting to make a big difference over there. And so you, you see this town, this community starting to believe again, you know, and they're becoming in what they want to do, one tribe. And that's another one of their mantras, one tribe. And you see it over there in Buell. Now, obviously, it's not 100% and nothing is. But from where it was to what Alan's doing with it um, has just been amazing. Communities on their side, giving time, giving money, helping in any way they can. The whole place is drinking the Kool-Aid. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool to see. And it's good to see from a, a good person doing great things in Buell. Yeah, it's it's an incredible story. You're right. Alan was a member of that uh, championship team in Buell, right? That 1978 championship squad. Yeah, it's funny you say that too because we got talking again, you know, and he said that he had narrowed down um, his five greatest games he's ever been part of as a coach or a player, and um, and so we started talking a little bit about that, and in no specific order. He brought up the two state championship victories he was part of as a player at Buell High School. So, I mean, he knows what it's like to win. But uh, he also went to college at UNLV and played quarterback. And the guy that he was behind, Randall Cunningham. You know, so, I mean, he, he's used to seeing big players on big stages. And he remembers one time uh, they went to play BYU in Provo and uh, hostile crowd. You know, if you ever been to BYU, it is a hostile crowd, but it is so it's it's a lot of fun. You know, if you've ever not been, but uh, they had to play against uh, B 
BYU had the longest winning streak in the nation at the time, 18 games, and they were going in there. Steve Young was the quarterback, but Steve Young was injured. So they had to go against a guy named Robbie Bosco. And so all if you're a college football guy, especially around here, or you're a BYU fan or whatever the case is, you remember these names. And UNLV came away with a 44 to 43 win. You know, so that was number two. Okay. And so we talk about these games and they've all got something in common. And they're just big wins in big moments with big celebrations afterwards. And if you think about what you're trying to do in, in a culture, is you're trying to celebrate. Because that's what you want to do, you know, and Alan's a guy that's coming from all of this and he's bringing it all back to fuel. And it's, it's really fun to see. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so Buell won two titles while Alan was there. What was the other year? Do you know? Um, I, you know what? I don't. Um, when he was, let's see, um, play, just a player at Buell high school. So what? 1933. <laughs> well, I, I ask because I, I, I know they won it in 1978, but like the, the official list of champions on, from the IHSAA, it's like anything before 1978 didn't exist. There's like, there's like no record of it. So I just, I don't know why that is, but anything that happened prior to like 1978 just isn't there. So that's why, that's why I was curious, but yeah. no, I, I didn't get into specifics on that, but uh, these conversations. I will definitely ask, you know. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of a little fun fact. He was talking about some of his team too. And it's, you know, he said that Caden, the name Caden must've been a popular name 16 years ago, because at one point on their team this year, they had seven Cadens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So apparently 16 years ago, everybody was naming their kid Caden. Seven of them found Buell Indian uniforms. Well, the uh, the king has got to be Caden uh, Hunsicker, senior offensive lineman, six foot three, three hundred ten pounds. That's a that's a big dude leading that, the that is a, That's a beast of a player right there. At three yeah. A, well, at yeah. any level, but Buell's got him. So you know, yes. Um, so they, uh, yeah. So they they they're they're kind of that program to where they never lacked an effort. You know, they just maybe didn't have the dudes. And you get some dudes mixed in with the effort that, you know, this team gives, then, yeah, they're going to make some noise. And this year, they should. I mean, aside from their opening day loss to Weezer, or Homedale, or uh, yeah, Weezer, Weezer. Yep. Right. Um, they've been playing some really good football. Yeah, they lost to Weezer 24 to nothing, which you know, is a big improvement from last year when they played Weezer. Um, they played them in the regular season uh, and lost 35 to six. And then they met, met up again in the playoffs and lost 62 to 20. So to keep it to basically a three score game, right? 20, 24, yeah. nothing. Yeah. That's eight points, three times um, that I thought that was pretty impressive. And then they haven't lost since they've beaten two, four, eight programs in Caldwell last week and mountain home. And then they also beat Declo, and and Declo is a perennial two A quarterfinalist, semifinalist team. So these are not like you know layup wins they're getting here. These are good, good competition. Well, you know, like I said, you know, all you can do is beat the people on your schedule. You know, and you can't if you start kind of reading into well, they're not a very good four A team, or or we're playing down, or, or you know what? Then you then you forget about who's on your schedule, and you start letting all the, the crap and the fodder start coming into your brain and now you're, you're not focused on, on who's in front of you. 
And, and one thing I do know uh, about, you know, Alan is that, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that's going to teach the integrity of the game and the focus of the game because, um, and I know I, I, I talk very highly of him because when I got into teaching and coaching, he was my mentor teacher, you know, at Twin Falls High School. You know, when I first got into it, I student taught under him. And, and I still remember the lessons that, that I learned because they were all about integrity. They were about honor. They were about honesty and, you know, just respect, you know. And, and so I, I remember those lessons that I learned from him. And, and I can see what he's doing with his program in, in Buell now, and especially when you, when you factor in that he's coming home, he's excited to be there. There's no place he'd rather be. And he called, he called this his dream job, you know? And so you put those kind of ingredients together and you're going to have some good things cooking up. Definitely. So you've got this conference with Buell, who obviously is very talented, Kimberly, which uh, has been putting up, you know, 40, 50 points per game. They just lost for the first time to Marsh Valley on Friday night. You've got Gooding, the defending league champs. None of those teams is currently at the top of the standings. Scott, do you know who's leading that that conference? Ooh. The Wood River Wolverines, the drop down from 4A. They, uh, because they've, they've, they've been the only team that's played. They're one and oh, and, uh, everybody else is zero and zero and Filer is oh and one. So Wood River beat Filer last week there. And, and now guess who Wood River plays Buell Friday yeah. night. So the Indians have a chance to knock off the, the top team right now in the standings. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Um, River dropping down in only football only down to three, a, which is what we can do now in, in the IHSSA classification mess that we have going on is you can petition down and Wood River did and um it screwed up Great Basin scheduling a little bit <laughs> but you know it hey whatever's good for the school uh, we're good with well and for Wood River it was their first win of the season period uh they yeah. are one they're one in four one in three now uh, but one and oh in conference that's really all that counts I guess so yeah that's right and most teams now are starting to really dive into conference play as the preseason is over Definitely. So yes, Buell will host Wood River Friday night to start their conference play. Then they will host Gooding in a Thursday night game on the 29th. Um, and then they, they host, geez, they host three uh, conference games here. The three most important conference games, I would argue. And then they host Kimberly on October 14th. So this is kind of, if this is the, I mean, if there's going to be a year for Buell to do it, it kind of looks like this might be the one where they've got everybody at home and, a chance to maybe win the league title. We'll have to wait and well, see. They, they do, and then and you, and you see the, the shakeups around the conference too. When you you know talk about the two other powerhouses, Gooding and Kimberly, you know Kimberly adjusting to a new coach, losing one of their star players, you know. So there's transition there, even though Kimberly's doing very well. Um, Gooding losing their coach and losing a ton of their dudes. They just aren't as prolific as they they have been. So yeah, the conference is a little bit different and the, the time is right for Buell to step up and, and make some noise and do something. Definitely. So we'll be keeping an eye on Buell uh, and uh, see how they do as the season goes along. And uh, hopefully we're checking back in to uh, talk about Buell ahead of the, uh, the 3A playoffs as well. Uh, that would be uh, really exciting for the Indians. Uh, let's talk eight-man football again real quick. Uh, the big battle last week was Oakley, Raft River. Uh, and once again, it didn't, disappoint you know oakley wins a very tight contest 34 to 30 
these these regular season matchups always seem to be really close. And then when they get to the championship, Kendrick wins by like 30. I just can't or uh, Oakley wins by like 30. I can't figure it out. Um, but this this rematch was pretty, you know, Raft River jumped ahead, Scott, 18 to six in the first quarter. And Oakley didn't panic. They kind of just stayed the course, made some plays. And it was actually Oakley who had a two score lead in the fourth quarter. They were up 34-24, and Raft River had to try and scramble back. They got a late touchdown, tried to get the onside kick, and couldn't. Oakley kind of ran it out from there. So down 18-6 to to then lead 34-24, I thought was pretty impressive for Oakley. That's outscoring them like, what, 30-6 to or something like that. I mean, they only gave up one touchdown, really, between the second and fourth quarters. Well, when these two teams get together, I mean, it's like a heavyweight boxing match. It's punch and counter. And, you know, sometimes when you get these games between Raptor and Oakley, it's, it's not the, the, the thing that wins is time because time will run out on somebody, you know, because if that, they, they played five minutes longer, who knows what the score would have been, who would have been winning. It's just, they're, they're just, they're racing against the clock, you know, because they're both so good and they could be down 20. They're coming back, but you know, that's also the heart of a champion too, because both of these schools and their programs, they know what it's like to win. And and winners aren't always in the lead, you know, until the end. Yeah. So that was a, a nice win for Oakley. Both teams did a really nice um, tribute prior to the game as well for uh, law enforcement and kind of a 9 11 um, memorial. You know, 9 11 was on a Sunday. And so this was their first chance since September 11th to kind of pay tribute. And we've talked about this where, the camaraderie between the two schools is um, almost unmatched in terms of like rivals that you can't stand, but then there's that mutual adoration and respect once they're not playing each other as well. So. Oh, no question about it. And it. It's just, it's good to watch from an outside perspective, you know, just quality athletes playing the game the way that it should be played and a community supporting them the way that community should. So this week on IdahoSports.com, Friday night, Scott, we've got three different broadcasts in the Magic Valley, three editions of Magic Valley game night. This is going to be exciting stuff. Two of them at the eight-man level. We've got the Oakley Hornets on tap once again. They're going to be traveling to Cary to play the Panthers. Cary had a nice win over Lighthouse Christian last Friday, a game in which Connor Simpson, their all-state running back, didn't play, didn't matter. Colton Larn arrest for three touchdowns in the victory, including like an 87 yard run in the third quarter that put it away. So we've got Oakley against Cary Friday night in Cary. We've got another eight man game on tap this weekend. Lighthouse Christian will host Butte County in a non-conference game. Have you seen the turf at Lighthouse Christian? It's pretty special. It's cool. It's way cool. <laughs> yeah. And more and more of these schools are popping up with these awesome turfs um, too. It's like, gosh, damn. Take a take out a loan from so many schools because that stuff is not cheap. But they they get it done, man. That looks so nice. Yes, so we're gonna have uh, for the first time this year a game from Lighthouse Christian as the Lions host Butte County in a non-conference battle. Um, their head coach uh, is also their athletic director now, Jason Smith. Um, he's a really cool guy. He he moved from Florida had coached um, eight-man football down in Florida. And he's kind of the odd duck in in the in the eight-man football landscape where Oakley, Raft River, Cary, all these teams like to run the football, right? 
pound the rock. Well, Coach Smith's offensive system is we're going to spread them out and we're going to throw the ball, which we don't see a lot in Idaho eight-man football. And they haven't won yet, but that's only because they've had such a gauntlet of a schedule. So uh, that doesn't get any easier with Butte County this week, but um, good luck to the Lions. And uh, that's a game that you can also catch on IdahoSports.com. And then the game I'm going to be at, Scott, I'll be uh, making the trip over to the Magic Valley for um, the River Rivalry. Minico hosting Burley. They they play for uh they play for a paddle now. That's like the trophy that they play for. It's like an oar. Um and the, the first the time in a while that game really has some excitement generated behind it because you know you've got Burley who's undefeated, 4-0. Minico's dropped a game, but they're still the, the favorites of the conference. But it's been lopsided for so long that a lot of people in Berlin now are thinking maybe this is the year we can get Minico. Should be a really good game. And and more so a good measuring stick for where Burley's at. You know, because I mean they have been putting up points like crazy against people. Um, but they've also been giving up a lot of points. It's been a video game every time Burley takes the field. You know, so now they're gonna get a, a pretty solid football team in Minico uh defensively. And somebody that can score as well. I mean, a balanced team in Minico. That would be a really interesting matchup. Yes, Burley's oh. explosive offense against Minico's uh, buttoned-up defense uh, should be a fantastic battle. Uh, last week, Burley put up 80 on Preston. Caleb Loveland threw eight touchdowns, ran for a ninth. <laughs> That's got to be the high point total for one kid this year in the state of Idaho. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's cool because I had him on my fantasy team. <laughs> right, Yeah. <laughs> Caleb Loveland has been uh, balling out for sure. And um, you're right, Scott. It's been a long time since Burley's gotten a win. 2004 was the last time Burley beat Minico. So that's 17 in a row for the Spartans. And I know the Bobcat fans are ready. There's a lot of pent up, you know, celebration waiting to happen. But you got to go out and do it still. And Minico is still the top, the top team in the conference. So it'll be a fantastic battle. That'll be Friday night on IdahoSports.com as well. That'll be a fun one. Should be. I'll be watching it from the right. as we're hosting Canyon Ridge here. So I'll have that up on my laptop. Yeah. Well, it's real quick. Speaking of Canyon Ridge, they're uh, they're off to an undefeated start. They're you know we need to have their coach on sometime, Scott. He's got a pretty incredible story. James Poole um, played football at the University of Utah, um, and I think he's really injected some some life into that Canyon Ridge program. They were playing um, last Friday, and the game got delayed due to lightning in like the second quarter, and it was fourteen to thirteen. Canyon Ridge was winning, and they they had to call the game off because of lightning. So it just never officially counted or anything yeah and they were playing uh ridgeview i believe right yeah yep Which, the impo bowl yeah exactly so it's impo coming back to his own team to his old team and they yeah. never got it finished so oh well <laughs> So yes, uh, we'll we'll come back and talk uh, next week. I'll have a breakdown of what I saw from that Burley Minico game. So there's at least one thing we can check off the list, a, t- a topic we've got covered. I can come back and tell you what I saw. So that'll be good. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Magic Valley Prepcast uh, for Scott Burton. I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Enjoy the competitions this weekend, and we'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.